HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. This week on Meet and Three, we dedicate our stories to elders, grandparents, and family members who came before us. Some people called on the phone. What time is your appointment? Mine's 2.45. Our friend, the dentist, he, he was 3.30. And it was like a social event. It's a small island. A lot of them I knew when I was a kid. So it was, you know, to really help them feel like they, they weren't alone. It's partly this communal nature of food and so it can operate as a bridge um, not just between neighbors and friends but also between the living and the dead listen to meet in three wherever you get your podcasts yeah so no one ever told me i had to keep my distance from the rotc guys marching in front of me and they suddenly stop oh oh hang on let me answer these sure go ahead lou Okay, so these ROTC guys, they're marching with their rifles, and then they start marching backwards and begin hitting my hood and street. Wait, wait, sorry. You got some side hustle interfering with this side hustle, Lou? No, it's, well, see, friends are texting me all the time now when they're at a bar, asking me which mezcal they should order. But if they're friends of yours, they should know what they want already, no? Well, some do, but for some, you know, ordering mezcal has gotten as complicated as ordering wine. Well, yeah, that does sound intimidating. Right? And ordering great mezcal shouldn't be intimidating. You know that's the tuck blind for Ojo de Tigre mezcal, right, Lou? I know that Ojo de Tigre is the mezcal for all. Well, that's another one of the taglines, Lou. Maybe it is, Chava, but two agaves are better than one. And Ojo de Tigre is made with both espadín and tobala. This is so scary. Has Ojo de Tigre taken over your soul? No, but Ojo de Tigre mezcal is taken from the soul and expressed with the hands. Now I'm feeling a little bit intimidating, Lou. How do we just have a copita full of Ojo de Tigre and pick this up in the morning? Ojo de Tigre mezcal artisanal. It's easy on the land and easy on your wallet. I'm going to unplug you now. 
If you want to learn more about Ojo de Tigre, visit ojodetigremezcal.com. Your mezcal should be as full of character as you are, Ojo de Tigre Mezcal Artisanal. Light on smoke, full on character. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today we're going to talk about the extinction of agave. Really? Like, it's not like... It feels like like a National Geographic episode. What? Yeah, it's not like pandas or turtles. Like, agave is not going to go extinct. It's not going to go extinct? Who is going to go extinct? No. Well, okay, so <laughs> we are going to go extinct before agave dies. <laughs> so, okay, so you know the w- the reason I want to talk about this, the reason I want to talk about this, is because there have been articles uh, written, and and the whisper among um, the the mezcal geeks is that you should only be drinking espadine on a regular basis, and that if you're drinking mezcals or destilados de agave, agave spirits that are made from wild agaves that you are putting at risk all of those agave varietals that are growing in the wild. Okay, I, I do have a question, first yeah. of all. Uh, have these guys, like a, a lot of these people have traveled around Mexico, right? A lot of them have, and a lot of them haven't. You know, some of them, some okay. of them, they just fly right into Oaxaca and they'll, you know, maybe visit one or two communities outside of Oaxaca, if they've even done that. Okay, no, no, I just say that because uh, I'm going to start with something that, and actually I'm not even right. You know, like I, I thought that I had a clear uh, conclusion about this, or I had, <laughs> just, I had a clear just, idea. Just like three minutes ago, problem. you seemed to know what you were going to say. I, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I think it has drastically changed because what I will always say, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, I'm I'm fine with that. Let, let's, sure. uh, like, I, I, I better say something that I'm not very sure about and then, like, start to, to, to know more. But, uh, you know, when, when we travel around agave, like, agave land or when we travel around Oaxaca or Guerrero or Durango, what I always say is that I see a lot of, of unused land, and uh, I've come across several academic uh, papers or like journal papers where they try to explore agave as a remedy to eroded soils, to create ethanol, to make energy, to uh, various various uses. And the argument usually goes like this: Agave doesn't take almost any water to grow. Mm-hmm. It can grow in the poorest, most destroyed soil that you can find. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, it can grow where in a place where you cannot grow anything else. It can thrive. Exactly. So let, let, think about sugarcane, think about palm oil, think about these other things where you have to go into <laughs> the jungle and destroy everything you have around you to be able to plant right. that. Agave is not like that. You just go to the ugliest piece of land that you can find around <laughs> and just like, here I shall land my agave. And it will grow beautifully. Right. Uh, probably it's going to take a little bit longer if it's uglier soil than not, but it will do the trick. So that is very confusing to me because if that's the case and I see a lot of unused land around Mexico, how would it be possible for agave to go extinct? Right. Well, you know, I, <laughs> so, okay, so we've got this really interesting quote from uh, from our pal Luis over at uh, Mezcal Amores, or Amaras. Um, yes. Yeah, depending on where you are. Um, really interesting quote about that. So uh, let's run that quote. If we keep 
consuming wild agaves, but nobody is having a plan to let them wildly reproduce or a planting plan, we can end species. That's the thing. Okay, so yes. So what's the plan? For, for us, it's planting. We have mo mo more than half of our, of our hectares are wild agaves planted. And the idea is that the communities teach the community to have what we call plan de aprovechamiento. Don't know how to translate it, but that means that they, they control how many agaves should be harvested that year, how many should you leave to reproduce and have more uh, agaves later on. So Durango has that, Guerrero has that, Oaxaca doesn't have that. Oaxaca does not have that. When you say Guerrero has that, like literally there's a state plan. State and community plan. And community. But in Oaxaca, none of the communities that you work with have a plan like that. Very few. Okay, so 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 that's that's an interesting point made by Luis, right? We're not talking about agave going extinct. We're talking about specific communities within Mexico that are feeling significant environmental pressure as a result of the consumption of spirits made from this plant, right? Yes, and I think sort of what I'm trying to to and that's why I'm not so sure of what I what I had said before is that I think it's more about the diversity that might be endangered and not agave as a whole, right? It's Right, right. It's sort of like if you go to, to um, uh, Jalisco and you see these fields of blue Weber that are being grown like traditional farming um, and you see these huge monocultures developing, I, I, I guess that's maybe... The yes, and, and the fact that there wouldn't be enough available agaves to actually make spirits, I think that's the extinction they're trying to refer to. Because you might find a few of the agaves laying around and use them for decoration, which by the way, I really think a lot of mescaleros could make so much more money if they were selling their agaves for landscapers, but that's a whole different- <laughs> that's, that's a different a whole, episode. That's a different episode. But, you know, like I, I think sort of the preoccupation is like, what if there's not enough agave to keep on making spirits of different species? Well, okay, so let's talk about that. Let's assume that the conversation is not agave going extinct. Let's assume the conversation is developing a monoculture in specific communities in Oaxaca, right? And if that is the conversation, then shouldn't we be encouraging people to drink spirits made from wild agave? Otherwise, all that's going to show up in Oaxaca, in these communities, is espadine that's farmed. Yeah, and the thing about wild agave, and which I, I find really funny about the whole narrative about it, it's like wild agave, its main uh, economical significance, I will say, in the, in the mezcal of the last decade, was that it was free agave. So a lot of producers could give extremely good prices because they were not paying for their agave. That thing well, was there. Uh, I mean, there, there's free and there's free. And I, okay. I understand... <laughs> Well, right? Like, really, when you're saying free, what you're talking about is that person, that mescalero or mescalera, spent years minding that land on which the agave was grown. Because it's not just free agave, it's the community's agave. The land is the community's agave, is the community's. Now, that's a whole different discussion. But, uh, okay, so I, I think let's go back to track a little bit. In terms of, yeah, because like if, if, if we go there, it's going to take me a while to really get it detailed. I guess the, the question here is like the diversity of agave 
realize on that there's many different species growing shoulder by shoulder, right? Sure. So that's the that that's sort of the idea. But how many agaves per plot of land means diversity? You know, because diversity is like if you're talking about classroom, like okay, like in Mexico, right? Most of the classrooms mm-hmm. are absolutely not diverse. We're all Mexicans. There's not one gringo, one Canadian, one guy from Iraq. <laughs> so is that a not diverse classroom? Even if you have like a tall kid, a short kid, like what do we call diversity when it comes to agave? Do you need five species per acre of land? Ten species? Fifteen mm. species? Like what's the criteria mm. there? Right. Right. And And when you get down to the bottom line of this, is the question, should we not be only harvesting agave that's farmed? Or should we only harvest farmed agave? And should we farm different agaves together? It's, you know, and I guess the point is it's a much more complex conversation that I don't think can be answered simply by saying, well, uh, if you want to protect uh, agave as as uh, from going, if you want to protect agave from going into extinction, then you shouldn't drink wild agave. I think that's I think that's a I think that diverges from the actual purpose. Yeah, and, and think, to, yeah, yeah, and I, because to your point is give value to something, and people are going to take better care of it. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you if you it like like it's only in the last I don't know. 10, 15 years that the the world has paid attention to mezcal. Mm. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, while you had this, as you put it, free agave in the <laughs> wild, these communities didn't over harvest it and didn't like, didn't kill it then. Why would they kill it now? I think, I think they're, you know, you know I'm not, I, I, I get that the, the capitalism of the larger world has started to creep into some of these communities. At least, you know, to some extent, more so than it did 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still think that there is this multi-generational wisdom in enough parts of rural Mexico that these families are going to protect their land and and the earth that's given so much to them and their families. Yeah, and I think just to, I guess, like being that my final argument, something that we keep finding when we're traveling is these stories of how the young generations are learning for the from the older men or women of the community, how mezcal has become this process of young kids getting closer to the older people and saying like, okay, there's something that you know that now the world is paying a lot of attention to. How can you transmit that to me? And I think that that's not just how do you distill, how do you ferment? And that's something they kept on repeating to us. A lot of people are like all the pictures you see are inside the distillation process, but yep. the land, like the, the agave itself, that's and and the very subtle, fragile ecosystems that can sustain a very diverse uh, agave. And not only agave, because if you're just thinking agave, then you're making this wrong. It has to be <laughs> right. an ecosystem. Right. It includes right. agave, but it includes a lot of other things if you want to do this right. So I think yeah. that's more of the discussion. How do we have a truly diverse ecosystem and not just some agave, like diverse agave gardens around you? Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I'd say you're right. And I'd also say that you just, you just gave me this picture in my head that's an important <laughs> picture to hold, which is the hipsters in rural Mexico are much cooler than the hipsters in Chicago. Oh, how, how, how does that work? 
Oh, like the the hipsters who are taking the old ways. That's right. That's the hipsters are just throwing back to the old stuff. But in rural Mexico, when they're throwing back to the old stuff, they're doing what grandma and grandpa used to do, which is, you know, learning how to make things from scratch using pre-industrial methods. Now that's, that's ultra hipster. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. Lou. Yeah. Like I had never thought about that. Like it's way beyond fixie bikes and long. There beards. you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Chava. I think we have, uh, we've, we've, <laughs> we've nailed this down as hard as we can. <laughs> Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Peribán. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.